Good morning, church. So good to be together today. And what a share time. Wasn't it just so good to hear like story after story? And we probably could have kept going forever. We always get to the bit where everyone's eyes, you can see it in their eyes. They're like, we know we need to keep going though. But there's so many more stories out there. I know I have stories, story of story of story of how God has moved in my life here but it's all his goodness, it's all him, it's all his goodness, it's all his grace, and we know the, the balance of that, that actually there's gonna be those seasons, there's gonna be those difficult moments, there's gonna be those incredibly joy-giving moments, and there's gonna be everything in between, but just so good to celebrate God's faithfulness in it all together today. And we, um, looking ahead here, we wanna think today a bit about vision as we go into the next year, about what God is saying to us right now as a church. And the plan for the next few weeks is this, the plan is good, so today we've got our birthday slash Vision Sunday. Then next Sunday, as Mary mentioned, Brian, our senior pastor, is going to teach on fasting as we then step into fasting week on that Monday. Monday to Friday is our prayer and fasting week, so he'll teach about fasting next week. So bring your questions. Um, there's not going to be a Q&A, but you never know. You can ask him afterwards. And then after that, we will be starting a new series Brian has been calling it casually the Jesus series because it's all about Jesus. So I think we're just going to call it the Jesus series because sometimes you just need to call a spade a spade, right? It's going to be all about Jesus. Let's call it the Jesus series. It's going to be so good. It's going to take us right from the 23rd of January right up until Easter. So if you're new to our church or if you're considering inviting people into our church, this is a really wonderful time to step into the life of our church because I'm hoping that as we talk about vision today, You'll see how this all ties together, how what God has been speaking to us then has led Brian to map out this whole series on Jesus. And now we look at the Bible, we look to the Bible, we study the Bible, we preach the Bible, we love the Bible, and we believe the Bible teaches the story of Jesus. It, it all points back to him, it all points to him, and then he arrives, and then it's like, okay, he's coming again, it's a full arc, but it is going to be so good just to spend a number of weeks just like marinating in the goodness of Jesus. So, you can remember that as I share what I share today, that that is our plan going forward. That's what we're going to do. And I trust that as we do that, Jesus, if we let him, will like soften our hearts towards him again. He will help us to see him again. The Holy Spirit will point us back to him again. And we'll see the goodness of him, the realness of him, what that means for our lives. If we're open to that and we're ready for that. We really love Jesus here at Rehope. So we're excited for the next weeks leading up to Easter to talk about him, think about him a lot. It's going to be so good. But first, to think today, what is God calling us into right now as a church? What is he speaking to us right now as a church here in this place? We've been maybe thinking a lot individually, just as people over the last little while, about maybe some New Year's aspirations. But we're wondering, what, what is God hoping for for our church for this next year? And I want to read a part of a psalm as we begin today. It's Psalm 71. It's one of my absolute favorites. And I'm going to read from verses 5 to 18. You can follow along, follow along on the screen if you would like to. The psalmist writes this, For you have been my hope, sovereign Lord, my confidence since my youth. From birth I have relied on you. You brought me forth from my mother's womb. I will ever praise you. I have become a sign to many. You are my strong refuge. My mouth is filled with your praise, declaring your splendor all day long. Do not cast me away when I am old. Do not forsake me when my strength is gone. For my enemies speak against me. Those who wait to kill me conspire together. They say God has forsaken him, pursue him and seize him for no one will rescue him. Do not be far from me, my God. Come quickly, God, to help me. 
May my accusers perish in shame. May those who want to harm me be covered with scorn and disgrace. As for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous deeds, of your saving acts all day long. Not how to relate them all. I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteous deeds, yours alone. Since my youth, God, you have taught me, and to this day I declare your marvelous deeds. Even when I am old and gray, do not forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. I love this psalm, and I loved reading it this week again because I feel like it captures so much of the heart of who we are and who we want to be as a church in this city. The psalmist has known God's salvation. God has been his refuge. God has been his rock. God is his hope and his confidence. The psalmist knows that in the mix of everything in life, his life is a sign still of God's faithfulness through it all. And right here, these words that he writes, they're not written in the context of comfort or an easy life, but they're written in the context of threat. There are people wanting to kill him. It's the context of unbelief. They're saying your God won't rescue you. It's in the context of urgent need. He is crying out to God to help. He needs God's help now. And in his time of need and turbulence, he says, as for me, I will always have hope. I will praise you more and more. No matter what happens in the life of our church here in this city, that is our cry. God, we have hope. We will praise you more and more no matter what happens. In his time of need, the psalmist is a worshiper and he's an evangelist. And he's growing in those things. In this place of worship, his declaration over himself, his self-talk at this point is, my mouth will tell of your righteous deeds, of your saving acts all day long, though I know not how to relate them all. I love that bit. Like, I don't even know how to tell of you, God, but I'm committing to doing it. I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteous deeds and yours alone. And he's like, this isn't just a moment of fiery zeal for him. This is like for life. He says, even when I'm old and gray, don't forsake me, my God, till I declare your power to the next generation, your mighty acts to all who are to come. I'm going to declare your goodness, God. And I'm going to keep declaring your goodness, God. And I'm going to declare your goodness until the next generation can know and take hold of how good you are and also live in that goodness. Our forever vision here at this church is that we exist to lay the foundations of a long-lasting reawakening. Now, will you humor me and say that back with me? Can we say that together? It's on the screen. Three, two, one. We exist to lay the foundations of a long-lasting reawakening. That is who we are. That is what we do. That is at the heart of everything that we want to do here. We want to see people come awake to who God is, and not just for a moment, not just for a season, not just when life is good, but actually for their entire lives to stay awake to God, to be coming awake to who God is. And as Brian has taught us in the past, you might have heard him say it before, that reawakening starts here. It starts with us. And as we turn 17 today, I've been thinking about being 17 
And I remember being 17 really vividly because when I was 17, I passed my driving test and I honestly felt like in that moment that I had gained the world. Like there was nothing else that life could offer me that I needed at that point. I was free and it was all I needed. If you grew up in Northern Ireland, you maybe also resonate with that. You know, okay, yes, you get your driving test, you have your freedom, it was good. But now I look back on that and it's like that freedom that I gained when I passed my driving test. It's sort of like an earthly stake in the ground of the freedom that I did get when I was 17. Because when I was 17, I rededicated my life to Jesus. I had a a moment where I felt like I really woke up to who God was. And in that waking up to who he was, I knew he was worth it all. And so I stopped the sort of like half in, half out faith of my teen years, and I decided, okay, God, I'm not going to be able to do this perfectly, but I want you to have it all. And I remember coming, to wake, coming awake to God at 17 so clearly. And I wonder if you can remember that time in your life, a time when it all became real for you. And you're like, okay, this changes everything. Maybe you're sort of in that moment right now, in which case, amazing, keep coming. We are so excited about that. But it's good to remember those times in our life when it became real to us, when we were awakened to who God is, because then we want it for everyone else. We want it for our friends, for our family, for our neighbors. And so long-lasting reawakening is our forever vision, and everything we do and everything we imagine and everything we hope and go after will come out of that here. And as we step into 2022, we believe that God is putting revival on our hearts in a special way, which is Good news, because that means many people coming awake to who God is. And we believe God's words for us as a church across all locations of Rehope right now are evangelism and kindness. They are to be our north stars for the next moment, our frameworks, our filters, the kind of the things at which, yeah, as a leadership team, we're going to use these to make decisions as we look ahead. But more than that, it's for us, for all of us, we are the church, for each of us to take hold of those things. And We don't want it to be like a Sunday vision or a 9th of January vision or a kind of church building vision, but actually something that we would take those words from God and we would just let them loose in our own life, like lift the cap off and see what Jesus wants to do, trusting that he wants to do much more than sometimes we want to let him do in our own lives. We know our world needs hope. It's like if we are the ants, if people are the ants and the sun is kind of like the human condition and all of its issues and whoa, it's like the pandemic was the big magnifying glass that's kind of fried us all, right? Like everyone's feeling a little bit more burnt than they maybe did before. The things that were already there have been magnified, exacerbated. And yet, what if instead of despairing or feeling sorry for ourselves, What if we put on evangelism and kindness almost like lenses through which to see the world in this opportune moment that we live in? People are hurting. People are hurting and people feel lost out there and in here, everywhere. And we know that kindness is a good response to pain. Although kindness cannot solve every problem, we know in times of suffering in our life, the difference that its presence or absence can make for us. It is powerful and it is good. I remember being really young and I was getting my face painted and a wasp stung me and it got stuck in my arm. And now it must have been like a child protection thing because the woman who was painting my face didn't take the wasp out of my arm. My mom had stepped away for a little moment and she waited for my mom to come back to get rid of the sting. And I remember vaguely that it hurt, but what I remember most of all was how that woman was with me 
in that moment, that she was with me and that she was kind to me. That is what I remember more than anything. And we won't, in the next season of our life, we won't have to be the people who pull the stings out of everyone. But I do believe God's asking us to put on kindness and to be present. And so often, it's hard to be kind without being present. Those two things are so connected for us. And then evangelism, or simply us sharing the gospel, us sharing the hope that we have with other people, that is part of God's rescue plan. And we know that when people are lost or when people are stranded or they're far from home, it makes sense to stop and to help them find their way. So we're starting this year with two words, evangelism and kindness. And we might think, okay, these are very different things. How do they relate? But they are very much related. We know that they connect. We know that for both of them, we will need the Holy Spirit to fill us and to help us. We will be dependent on God's supernatural help for these things. We need the Holy Spirit to come and fill us with boldness to share. We know that that's what happens in Acts chapter 2 at Pentecost. We also know that kindness is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. So that's something that the Holy Spirit in us will grow out of us. They are connected. We know we need God's help. And we might grasp that quickly when it comes to something like evangelism. Some of us are evangelists with a capital E. For many of us, maybe most of us, even the word evangelism is good at kind of striking fear of man straight into our hearts and minds. We know we need God's help to boldly share our faith in these days. And maybe kindness doesn't evoke the same kind of strength of a response, but we also know it's not necessarily our human default. And actually, it's probably quite timely to think about kindness when we're thinking about our church getting older because it takes maturity to be kind. Kindness is something we learn. Have you ever seen a young child with a cat? They're not kind to the cat. They squeeze the cat. They drag the cat. They love the cat so much, but with like a violent love. They're not kind. We learn kindness. We learn gentleness because actually gentleness takes strength, weirdly. So we learn it. And I do believe that as we think about kindness and evangelism today, and as we look ahead as a church family here in Rehope West End, I sense God calling us to embrace spiritual maturity, to embrace the maturing process in our own lives, because we maybe don't naturally want to embrace maturing when it comes to any other aspect of our life. Our culture is all about slowing down the maturing process, freezing time. We want to cling on desperately to the last fragments of our youth. But kids want to get older. When you're a kid, getting older just unlocks more good things. You know, maybe you're 10, you can get your ears pierced. Maybe you're 11, you get a phone, whatever it might be. Being a kid, you get older, you get to unlock new treasures. But as we get older, sometimes then we start to reframe the maturing process and we think of it through the lens, not of what we gain, but what we lose. Yeah, I'm going to lose time when I get older. I'm going to lose friends, maybe, as I get older. I'm going to have weaker eyesight, maybe weaker knees. There's going to be things that are lost as we get older. So we shy away from maturing. We reminisce about those glorious days of our youth when everything was easy and simple, and we lament adulthood and all its woes. But we can't let that make us shy away from maturing spiritually, from growing in our faith. We can't go into that fearing what we're going to lose thinking about what it might cost us. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I give you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you're still not ready. You're still worldly. 
For since there's jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? There are things of the world that will need to just fall away in our lives as we pursue godliness because worldliness, as Paul describes it here, it does hold us back from becoming mature in our faith. Spiritual maturity does mean that some things have to die because the more we know God, the less we will want to tolerate sin in our lives. We might, we might lose a friendship. We might lose some ease of freedom to say whatever we want or do whatever we want. We might lose a sense of carelessness with which we can approach life and relationships. But when we live in step with the Spirit instead and when we go God's way, naturally we will be walking away from some other things, from some ways of the world as well. But the reward if we can change our perspective, if we can change our minds on this. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul writes about how God has designed the church to bring believers to maturity, that we would grow up together, basically, and that he's given apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. As we grow up in our faith, as we become mature, we get to gain more of the fullness of Jesus, of who he is, of his goodness. Spiritual maturity equals greater intimacy, greater knowledge of the goodness of Jesus and who he is. Our senior pastor, Brian, prayed and fasted for our church towards the end of last year, and he felt like God gave him a picture for us here in the West End, specifically of green plants as far as the eye can see. We love plants here, I don't know if you've noticed, but imagine like many, many more, like everywhere, up in your face, green and lush and healthy, and he felt like God was saying a good thing about health here, about new life here springing up. It's such an encouraging word, praise God. But if we want to be a church that bears fruit and lots of fruit, then we know green plants, okay, they spring up relatively quickly, they grow quickly, that kind of fits in with who we are, we're transient, there's always new life coming through, it's good, but we want to bear fruit, then we've got to be trees, and we want to grow deep roots. We know, I don't know anything about trees, but I know from like primary school that trees grow down to grow up, that they grow roots down and they grow up, and if you Google trees with shallow roots. There's lots of pictures like this up here. Maybe you've seen something like this on the side of a road sometime. We can see it quite simply, okay? If a tree grows roots that are shallow, if they go like wide rather than deep, then when a storm comes or whatever happens, it is more vulnerable to being uprooted. It's more vulnerable to falling over. We see the clear warning in that. We can see it. If we stay shallow in our faith, if we sort of skim around the surface and grow sideways rather than growing deep, then when the storms come, we could be uprooted more easily. Paul goes on in the Ephesians passage to say that when we are mature, attaining to all the fullness of Christ, then we'll no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. We sort of get the picture here. We won't be as tossed about. We won't be blown over. We won't be uprooted if we become mature, if we're planted deep. But what I found really interesting this week was doing a tiny brief amount of research on trees. Apparently, it's not so much that there are trees that can and can't grow deep roots, but it's about how they react to the different conditions of the soil. 
the trees that grow deep roots, it's not that there's something inherent in their tree species that means that they can do it, whereas other types cannot, but it's that they have continued to grow deep roots even when the soil conditions haven't been ideal. The trees that grow shallow roots have done that because the soil's been too wet or too dry or too rocky, and so instead of growing deep, they've grown to the side. I think it's the same for us. We will grow deep roots only if we pursue growth in every season of our life because soil conditions change. Things will change, circumstances will change. And so no matter what season we're in, no matter what season you're in in life, the call to maturing remains the same for those roots to actually grow deep. If we press pause in the harsher conditions or in the unexpected conditions, then that's how we end up growing sideways and being vulnerable. But how do we become spiritually mature? How do we grow deep roots? What does, what does that actually mean in our lives? I think we can make it quite simple today and look to Matthew 7. Jesus is teaching and he said this to everyone who was listening. He said, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. Whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice or acts on them is that wise man building the house on the firm foundation. When we hear Jesus' words and we act on them, no matter our circumstances, no matter the conditions of the soil, that is how we become these trees that just plant and plant and plant deeper into who he is. In this season, that might look like putting on kindness even if you don't feel like all your needs are being met. It might look like stepping out in boldness to share your faith in new ways, even if you feel like you're coming from a position of weakness and not strength. We hear Jesus and we do what he says. That's how our roots grow deep. And as a church here, as we hear Jesus and do what he says, that's how we will grow deep roots as a church. Now, a side note to anyone who's maybe feeling spiritually young, maybe a little rootless, or maybe you're like, maybe I am kind of like just growing sideways. I don't know how firm my foundation is. What if I feel insecure? What if I'm new to this? Then just like plants, baby plants, sometimes you attach it to a trellis so that it can grow up and be supported as it grows roots so that it can actually grow the right direction. I would say attach yourself to a trellis, something like Alpha. If you're new, if this is brand new to you, if you feel like, okay, I need to grow these roots, come to Alpha. That's going to be a perfect trellis for you. Or join a Bible read-through or come here, find people here, make friends here, find some like spiritual mothers and fathers here and attach yourself to them as a trellis while you grow those roots for yourself. And if we're embracing spiritual maturity together and we're hearing Jesus and doing what he says, then that will lead us to evangelism. We don't need to go any other direction. We go Jesus first, deep roots into him. Okay, then that leads us out into this next thing. Just to quickly look at his final commandment, otherwise known as the Great Commission. Jesus is risen. The women have seen the empty tomb. They've seen the angels and they've seen him. He sent them to go tell the other guys to meet him on the mountain and he's met them there. And then he said, it says this in Matthew chapter 28. The 11 disciples traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. Jesus came near and said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Have you noticed 
that when we're really young, we're really bold. You know, the kid just tells you what they think about your outfit and you're like, great, thank you. Or when we're really old again, then people seem to get quite bold. You see the sort of 85-year-old man on the street with a mohawk and you're like, wow, I can't wait to be old and not care what anyone thinks of me. It's going to be so good. But then there's this like huge, vast space, which I, spoiler alert, we all live in here in this church. We're all in this middle space. And our lack of boldness, I think, is just connected to fear. But I love how in this passage, the starting point for these disciples as they go out and they begin to fulfill the great commission isn't fearlessness, it's worship. In that moment of worship, it says some doubted. So take heart today. If you still have doubts, if you have questions, if you don't feel totally ready, if you don't feel like you've got perfect theology, be encouraged, be a worshiper. Something happens to our fear in worship because God comes and his love comes and then fear has to go. So be a worshiper. And the good news for us too is that we live after Acts chapter 2. So actually we can receive the Holy Spirit and he will make us bold. Now maybe when it comes to evangelism, you're wondering, okay, where, where do I begin? Or what's a sort of next step I can take? There's some practical things I'm going to try in the next little while. And the first thing is to be a worshiper, first and foremost, to be committed to being in those spaces where you're worshiping God, receiving his love, because his love for people in our world will not run out. Why? As I know my love for people will run out. So be a worshiper. Second thing is to watch your not retreating. COVID was a little bit like a rallying cry to all kind of run into our caves. And we had to for a time. And in lots of ways, we've done that in lots of areas of our life. And we've had to. But if there's areas of your life where God has put you, if there's friendships he's given you, if there's uh, societies and clubs and teams and things that you are part of, colleagues that you know, neighbors that you have, watch that you are not retreating away from them, but start to go back into the game. Get back out there and trust that God has put you there for a reason. Third thing, practice over-the-top hospitality. We love over-the-top hospitality in this church. Oh, I changed the words. I'm sorry, screens people. Radical, but then over-the-top, I was like, that's kind of what we're about here. Over-the-top hospitality. How can you let people into your life in ways that feel over-the-top for you? And don't underestimate the power of just having people over for food and feeding them and having a nice time with them and ch chatting to them, having good conversation. Practice hospitality. Share your life with people. Open the doors of your life to people and let them in. Don't underestimate the power of that. Number four is a funny one, but it's one that I'm going to do. Just start saying Jesus out loud lots. I don't know. There's something about his name. Like people, I think, are more spiritually open than they've been but it's not necessarily directed anywhere specific. So I think there's something good about just being like, Jesus is who I follow. I'm not, I'm not religious in a vague sense. It's Jesus. It's all about Jesus. So I'm just going to start, just say his name out loud. Talk about Jesus specifically. And as you do that, start with your own story. John chapter 4, one of my favorite parts of the whole Bible, she the woman at the well meets with Jesus, has this amazing encounter, and becomes this evangelist and goes to her whole town and tells them what has just happened to her with Jesus. And then they come and they discover him for themselves too. But just start with your own story. We heard earlier just the power of those testimonies to know, okay, what is God doing in your life? What has he done? What has he done this week? What is he doing in you today? Just start with your own story and get used to sharing that with the people in your life. As we share it here, let's share it anywhere, everywhere. Start with your own story. No one can take away your story. And that is good news. I've got some challenges for us today. The first one is to pick one of the 
practical tips there. Pick one of those things and give it a go this week in some way. And then the second one is to invite someone to Alpha. I know I have a name in my head of someone I want to invite to Alpha this week. Do you have someone in your life? Invite them to Alpha. Now is the time. Don't put it off a moment longer because it's coming, it's starting, it's going to be great for them to be part of it from the very beginning. So say a prayer and then send a text or make a phone call or arrange a coffee, whatever you need to do. But it's exciting. We are seeing people signing up for this, but don't let your friend miss out. You know, invite them in, invite someone to Alpha. Or if you are new to faith and you're just beginning to grow those, those roots, come to Alpha because it's going to be great for you and it's a great resource. So those are the challenges. I am going to pray for us right now, and then we're going to continue into a time of response in just a wee moment. Why don't we stand together? If you're able, let's stand. And uh, I just want to pray, and I'll probably pray a couple of different things. So we'll see how that goes. Holy Spirit, come and move and speak to us right now. And I just sense for some of you, um, as I was preparing this week, that just like with Gideon, when he is called a mighty warrior, and he does not in any way feel like a mighty warrior at that point in his life. I think there are people in this room who are to be like mighty evangelists, like called by God, but you don't feel that way. You don't know it yet, perhaps. But I just want to pray right now that for anyone in the room who God is saying, no, I'm calling you to be an evangelist, that you'll sense that call, that you'll know that call right now in your life. Holy Spirit, come. God, would you Make it so clear to us, Lord. I pray that if that, uh, just trusting that, God, you've built this church, you've built it with evangelists, prophets, apostles, teachers, pastors, God, you've, you know what you're doing, Lord. So I'm trusting that there are some evangelists in here with a capital E, and we don't know who they are yet. Maybe they don't know who they are yet, but God, would you highlight to them right now, would you do a, a calling work? Would you call them right now, Jesus, to that? And make it obvious, Lord, help us to hear your voice. And God, for all of us right now, Lord, we are all called to share the hope that we have and the reason for the hope that we have. So Holy Spirit, would you pour out your boldness? Would you pour out your presence, Lord? We want to receive from you. We need you. We need your help. Holy Spirit, would you put kindness on us? Would you grow kindness in us? As a fruit of your spirit, God, would you grow that out of us? Lord, help us to be bold. Help us to be kind. And just if there's anyone right now, Lord, who just the cry of their heart is to know you more, Jesus, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them. Reveal yourself to them. We had a word just from one of our prayer team before the service, just a sense of God saying that you can have a home in him. There's a, you can come home to him. So if you feel lost, if you feel a bit like cut adrift and you want to come home to God today, you can. And I'm just going to pray something really simple right now. And it's not kind of the beginning and end of it all. It's a journey then from that point. But if you would like to come home to Jesus, you can pray along with me right now. And then I'd encourage you to let one of our prayer team know so we can pray with you a little bit more and get you going. But you can just pray something like this. Jesus, I feel I've felt lost and I felt a bit cut adrift and I want to come home to you. God, would you show yourself to me? Would you reveal yourself to me? I give my life to you or I return to you, Jesus, with my whole heart. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. 
I choose you today, Jesus. I choose to follow you. I choose to live in step with your spirit. Jesus, all these things we pray, we trust that you are moving. We trust that you have your hand on our life, our lives and the life of our church. And God, we step into the next challenges, God, that you have for us. Lord, we step, we want to follow you, Jesus. We want to know you more. We want the people of Glasgow to know you. So would you help us, Lord? In your name we pray. Amen.